Good morning, Simon Trevoranis. Good morning, Devin Wilkins, and to everyone out there. Yes, indeed. It is a cold one today. Nah. It's going to get worse. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, for sure it is. Yeah. And uh, welcome to Insight Peterborough, which is a project presented by the Peterborough chapter of the Canadian Council of the Blind, or CCB, and... And, and big idea at the Innovation Cluster. All right. We have a jam-packed show for you today. So let's begin with a chat with a lady named Margaret Condy. Um, she is not only in the CCB, but she is also a member of the Peterborough New Horizons Band. You're and on that band, aren't you? I am. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. Flute, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, of course. that's right. And we're going to have our concert on the 30th, which is a week from today. Ooh, that's scary. But anyway. Are you ready? Um, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> still have to practice. <laughs> oh, okay. But um, anyway, she'll tell you all about her involvement in, uh, in the uh, PNHB and uh, about PNHB itself. So without any further ado... First of all, hi there, Margaret, and welcome to the program. Thank you very much, Devin. Glad to help you out. Yeah, well, hopefully we'll help out a whole bunch of other people that are wondering what they're going to do with their time. Um, we have, uh, every once in a while, had the opportunity to explore um, hobbies that people with disabilities like to get involved with. So maybe we should... And first of all, um, before we talk uh, a whole lot about the, the hobby of uh, music, maybe we can talk a little bit about you. Have you lived in the Norwood area all your life? Oh, no. No. We moved here from the Toronto area about 19 years ago. And, uh, yes, so, so we live, live just outside of Norwood. And, uh, yeah, and we do like it out here. We like it out. We're right out in the country. Oh well, that's and, nice. Yeah, the only the only problem is when we moved here, I could see properly, and I was able to drive. And oh. now I can't drive anymore, and so my husband, when, whenever I want to do anything, he has to drive me there. Ah. So uh, that's a little bit, you know. There are there are problems. I think some things I would consider doing if I were able to drive, but that. Uh, Instead, uh, I just sort of pass on them because I can only put so much demand on him. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. so. <laughs> so what was the cause of your uh, the loss of, of your vision there? Do you know? Actually, no. It happened, um, uh, oh, maybe 11 years ago, I had cataract surgery. Mm -hmm. I'd always been extremely nearsighted all my life. And I had cataract surgery, and, you know, normally cataract surgery goes just fine, and people afterwards say, wow, I can see so much better. But instead, for me, I, in my right eye, it, it went really weird. I lost the central vision. And then in my, my left eye seemed to be very good for a few weeks, and then it began to get to, to deteriorate. Okay. And um, my, my ophthalmologist at the time said he didn't know what was, it was happening and he said that there possibly was some underlying issue with my eyes that 
they weren't aware of because my I was so incredibly nearsighted anyhow that that my my eyes the, you know they didn't look like your average everyday eyes, so they might not have picked up on something. Okay. But in any case, the vision in my left eye has been gradually deteriorating, and, and now I'm totally blind in my right eye, and in my left eye, all I have is some central vis vision, limited central vision, okay. and. Um, I, I saw specialists of all sorts. I saw a specialist in glaucoma, and she checked and she said, well, you know, the pressure in, in the eye is, is not high. But she did what they, they, what they call a bleb. They, she had that surgery, and that reduced the pressure even more. So now it's as low as they could possibly have it go and still be safe, but it didn't make any difference. And I'm still losing vision. But, you know... A little bit of vision is okay. Yeah. I can, I can still read my flute music more or less, and that really matters to me. So speaking of uh, the flute, uh, when did you take it up? Um, I joined the um, Peterborough New Horizons Green Band in 2011. That's seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, it was... Do you want to hear how I yeah. do it? Do you want the whole story about my background in music? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't want to bore you. Oh, no. So, I, when I was a kid, I played piano. Okay. And I, you know, I, as a kid, I took all the Royal Conservatory exams, right, I don't know, right up to grade nine or something, piano conservatory exams. Mm hmm Royal Conservatory. And, uh... But when I got into my later teens, I sort of, you know, I started, uh, I was doing other things, and I, and I stopped playing piano. Then I got married, and I didn't have a piano with, you know, then at that point, and I sort of didn't do much in the way of music at all. And then when I got to about 40 years old, I, uh, I don't know if I had a midlife crisis or what, <laughs> and I decided, oh, I wanted to get back to playing and playing music, mm -hmm. and so um, I, I thought I'd play the try and play the clarinet. Well, it was a disaster. It hurt my front teeth. I was maybe I wasn't playing it properly, but I just couldn't stand it, and, and my poor husband couldn't stand the sound. <laughs> <laughs> now, was this with P and HP? No, 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 no. This okay. no, that was many, many years ago. Okay. I'm I'm seventy seven now. I'm almost seventy eight. Mm -hmm. So this was when I was about 40. And okay. So then I started taking flute lessons from somebody in Toronto at the Royal Conservatory of Music. I did that for a couple of years, and then my teacher got pregnant and stopped teaching. Uh -huh. Well, that was it. I packed up my flute, and I put, it in, I put it away, and I kind of forgot about it again. And then, as I say, about seven or so years ago, I was doing some cleaning up and trying to get rid of things, and I found the flute, and I thought, well, I'm not playing this. I might as well see if I can get rid of it, see if somebody wants to buy it. Mm -hmm. And um, I eventually got in touch with the, one of the women at the PNHB, the Peterborough New Horizons Band, and she said, well, you know, you probably could sell your flute. But on the other hand, maybe you shouldn't. Maybe you should hang on to it and you should join the band. Uh -huh. So I thought, well, I don't even remember how to put the flute together. A flute is, for those who don't know, it's in, there's a, what they call the head and then the body and the foot. 
and it's in a in a bot in a case. And when you take it out of the case, you have to head, put the head, body, and flute together the proper way, and then you know, and then you're ready to try and play it. Yeah. And I couldn't even remember how to put it together. But, um, so she she sent me to see one of the conductors in the band, and what I did was I thought, well, you know, I should be able to do this, and it sounds like a good idea. So I took along some flute music that I had had from uh, 30 years earlier to show, to show him what I had been playing at that time, and he said, oh, yeah, you'll be fine. You should join the band. Um so I did, and I joined the Green Band, which is for begin the beginners, and it was wonderful. But I want to point out that I had music experience. I had I could read music. I had piano, and I had played the flute once upon a time. But even people who have never played music before, who don't know how to read music, can still. They can join the green band, and it's just incredible what these conductors can do, and the coaches. There are coaches as well that focus on individual instruments, and it's just absolutely amazing what they can do to to get people playing an instrument. There are a lot of people who join, you know, when they were in high school, maybe they played an instrument and they want to get back to it. Or there are people who have always said, oh, I always wanted to play the clarinet. I've never played a musical instrument, you know, but I want to play it. And uh, they're, they're starting from the beginning. And these people are just incredible. They can get people to play. And um, they, uh, and you can hear how well they do because we have concerts. Um, we have a Christmas concert, and we have one at, at the end of May or the beginning of June. And each of the bands, there are five bands within the group, in the organization. And the green is, are the beginners, and then they work up progressively up right up to Odyssey, which are the ones who are the, the, the most experienced and, uh, and who, you know, who are, are the most, have the most skill. And so at our concerts, each of these five bands um, play separately. You know, they, they play uh, maybe half a dozen pieces for, for the for the for the guests. And um, and you'd be, I'm always impressed each year when I hear the green band playing. They're just oh, it's amazing what can be done. Yes, I know that Mark uh, Hiscox, who is the current conductor, and the coaches do a great job. They're, they're just amazing. They're just amazing. Mm -hmm. So, um, anyhow, I'm, I've moved, I'm, I'm up to the third level of the five. I'm in Allegro, but because of my vision, um, I'm finding it more and more difficult to read the music. And um, they're... You know, I, my, I just have this very narrow central vision. And one thing is I need... The, the, the people there are really good. The other flute players give me lots of room because I need to be able to move from left to right as I'm reading music. And, I, you know, I need lots of elbow space. And they're very helpful in letting, you know, letting me do that. Yeah. And But I've, I've, I've been in Allegro for several years now. And I'm staying there because of... Because when you get up to the next level, Skylark, there's more and more music that's on two pages or more. And I just find, you know, I think it's going to be too difficult. And my vision's getting worse. I am trying to 
memorized the music but not having a lot of luck. My memory was never very good, and at my age, it's, it's deteriorated. And Devin, your memory is absolutely amazing. I am always impressed by the way you remember things, but of course, you've had a lifetime of experience. I have, uh, yeah. So it's not really fair to compare. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm just going to continue on in Allegro as long as I can. And it's great fun. The conductors are, um, they, they encourage us all to play well, and they give us all sorts of instruction on rhythms and that sort of thing. They're wonderful about it. But they also make it fun. They also, all five of them have, you know, a good sense of humor, so it's really an enjoyable experience. And, you know, the band, as I say, I play flute, as you do. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, there's clarinet, there, there are all the woodwinds, and there's brass, there, there's one oboe player. Hey, if anybody wants to play oboe, <laughs> she'd be happy to have somebody help her. I'm sure you would. With her. Yeah. Uh, oh, I think maybe there are two, I don't know. But in any case, there are, um, you know, the, the, the whole lot of other instruments. Percussion. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> you know, uh, then, and then there's a percussion as well. You can play percussion if you always want to bang the drum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can join percussion. And, and this is great. And, and as well as well as that, I mean, it's uh, yes, we practice hard. The coaches and the conductors really work hard so that we do a great job at our concerts, and we always get lots of applause at the concerts. Mm -hmm. But as all as well as that, they, we have potlucks. Um, like at the in September, I think we have a potluck lunch, and and everybody goes to that. It gives you a chance to meet other people, and then there's one after Christmas, and then there are a couple of more, and what and. I don't know, in, in the next year, January, yeah. spring, whatever. Mm -hmm. So that also makes it uh, makes it lots of fun. And there are other things that go on as well. Right. There, there are, there are um, ensembles, uh, you know, smaller groups that, um, that you can join one of those if you want. Mm-hmm. Like there is, as you and I know, there is Flutissimo, which is a flute ensemble. Yeah. And we play... We, we, it's just just flute. Nobody else is allowed, <laughs> right? And we play flute music, and uh, Christine Annett, our coach, is excellent. Mm -hmm. So that's great too. Yes, yeah, so there are um, people with other disabilities in in PNHB, aren't there? Um, I guess I know that I have seen some people sort of walking with what with with canes or whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't know who else is. What else is? Who else is there? Oh uh, well, our our flute coach for one. Oh well, yes, that's right, uh, Christine. Yeah, she's been on uh, the program talking about MS yeah, before. Yes, MS. I I totally forgot that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and now she actually at the moment is walking with a cane herself. Mm hmm. Um, and um, it does. This MS right now is sort of affecting her hands as well. So, you know, playing the flute, you have to have agile fingers and whatever. And she's got having a challenge, but she just keeps on. And everybody's, you know, we're all gung ho. Yeah. Uh, another thing, as far as the, you know, the disabilities are concerned, when we have our concerts, as you know, we have them at the Calvary Church on Lansdowne. Oh, 
and we've got one coming up on Friday. On the 30th. Next Friday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, we we play on a, on a stage that's, you know, it's quite a high stage. Yeah. Um, Devin, of course, when you, when you go up on the stage, you have Frankie, your guide dog, with you. Yes. They're, they all, the, the PNHB are quite happy, fine with having you with your guide dog, and, and then somebody helps you find your seat. Yeah. I have a problem getting up on the stage. I mean, I'm always, you know, terrified I'm going to step off the edge or something. And there's always one of the other flute people will help guide me up onto the stage. Right. And then off afterwards when we're through our bid. Yes. Oh, and another thing, if anybody who's listening to this decides to go to the concert, you'll be able to pick me out quite easily because I'm the one wearing the hat. <laughs> no hats are allowed officially, but I I need to wear a hat because the lights just you know really bother my eye. Yeah. So uh, so, so that's another accommodation that's that the right. band they makes. They allow me to wear my hat. Yes. And um, you know, no, they're very very good about that sort of thing. They they're very very helpful for anybody who needs any kind of assistance or or whatever. No, they're they're absolutely the, the best group ever. I believe there are over 200 members altogether, aren't there? I think so, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Uh, and are there any other accommodations that, that you know of, Margaret? Um, well, I do. I know when I first joined, um, they, uh, I think there was, there was somebody else at that time who had vision problems and you know, when they hand out the music, they give you the music, what they did was they would blow up her music for her. So it was larger, which enabled her to see it better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, they, and they, they volunteered to do that for me, but actually that doesn't work for me. And in fact, in a lot of instances, I sort of reduce the size so I don't have to move my head so uh-huh. much when I'm trying to read it. Interesting. But Yes, but they do. They do. They do what they can to help anybody who, who needs assistance. Yes, they do. And they let me record uh, um, someone, a stronger flute player than I am, will sit beside me, and uh, I'll, I'll record um, the band playing, but with the flute in more or less the foreground, so I can hear where we fit in and where we're supposed to rest and that sort of thing. <laughs> It can be a challenge because the flutes will play, you know, they'll play a few bars of music and then there'll be a certain num- number of bars where we don't play and then we have to come in again. So you have to be aware of all of that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think during the, during the practices, it's even more difficult because the conductors will say, okay, let's start at bar blah, blah, blah. Well, you don't know what's happening at bar blah, blah, blah. You no. So there's... there's Somebody sits with you and tells you that, don't they? Yeah. So, yeah, our, yeah. Our flute coach. They're so yeah. good. They're really amazing. Yeah, they, they really are. So uh, we certainly would encourage anybody to uh, get hold of the PNHB. Mm-hmm. And, uh, whether, d- whether you've had music experience in the past or not, if you're interested in doing it, it's, it's, you know, it's, very, it's very friendly, it's very socializing. I don't know if there's such a word. <laughs> well, it does bring you out of your shell. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and 
um, playing music like that is good for the brain. Oh, it is. Isn't it? Yes. It's just really... Um, it's a good exercise for the brain. It's a good exercise, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So if, you know, if you think you can do it, um, then do. I know, um, uh, was it last year, I fell and I broke my hip. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I, I had to have surgery on it. And for a little bit, I missed going to band. And when I came to back to band, they were very, very good about helping me, you know, in a chair, and, and they were okay with me standing after I'd played for a bit because my hip would start bothering me. And, um, you know, the, the, the people there just did everything they could to make it work for me. Yes. You know, so it's, I'm so appreciative of the whole thing. And I know that you have made good friends uh, from the band, and I certainly have. Yes, actually. Sure. I mean, that's where I met you, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, you're my friend, and it was through the band that uh, that we met. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I think it's uh, I think it's just, just one of the best organizations around. Oh, definitely great fun. Yeah. And, and as I said, anybody who's interested, we've got our Christmas concert on on Friday, November the thirtieth. It's at seven p.m. at the Calvary Church on Lansdowne Street, and you can buy tickets at the door, and they're only ten dollars. And you'll have a great time. A whole evening's entertainment. A whole evening's entertainment. And definitely, I will wow you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll certainly do our best anyway. And it is a band mostly for seniors, but there are others that that come as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we have our, our, our rehearsals in the middle of the day. And... Um, Apart from the green band, the other bands have their rehearsals from 9 to 12 on Wednesdays or from, what, what 1 to 4 on Wednesdays. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a three-hour rehearsal. I yeah. think the green band have start out with two rehearsals, like two hours on Monday and two hours on Thursday. Yes. And then after Christmas, they just drop back to one rehearsal. Yeah, on the Monday. On the Monday, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So, um... Yeah, so this is the thing, because it's during the day. I think that's one of the reasons it is mostly seniors. There are some people who are younger and, uh, you know, who do sh- go as well. But, you know, no, they're not going to turn anybody away, are they, Devin? No, that's for sure. I'm sure they'll accept everybody. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, thank you uh, very much, uh, Margaret. And uh, Glad to help. I uh, appreciate that, and uh, I will... I uh, look forward to uh, seeing you during practices and at the concert, and we hope that we can uh, ha- encourage other people to come to the concert. It's a, a great evening's uh, entertainment. Yeah, the, the more the merrier. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's great. Glad to help you, Devin. Thanks, Margaret. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you again. All right, that was uh, an interview with Margaret Condy, and of course she was talking about her involvement with the uh, PNHB as someone with a disability, and also about the uh, concert, which is coming up next uh, Friday, that being the 30th. And if you want to um, get in touch with somebody about uh, being uh, part of the Green Band and uh, therefore a part of PNHB, uh, you would uh, contact Cliff Ballantyne, and his email is cliffb at 
explorenet, that's E-X-P-L-O-R-N-E-T dot com. Or you could call 743-7420. All right, um, Simon, our next um, presentation, and that's what it is, mm-hmm. is with Calpa, Calpapathic. And she is with Diabetes Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, November is Diabetes Month. Um, so she came to the East Peterborough Lions Club dinner last Monday night. And I just so happened to have my digital recorder with me. Your handy-dandy pocket recorder? Uh-huh, yeah. Right. And uh, so here is what she had to say about diabetes, there are several startling statistics. Mm, Okay, here we go. Thank you again, Lions Always Supported, and I know one of the pillars is diabetes, and we were very um, fortunate that you worked with us on that, so we thank you for doing that. Um, So everybody here, do you know about diabetes, or are we aware of the topic, do we know, yeah? Overall, perfect. I'll be asked, I'll be giving you a test in the end, okay? <laughs> so just making sure. All right. So diabetes is very serious. Statistics right now: 11 million Canadians are currently have diabetes or pre-diabetes. Um, 14 million Canadians will have diabetes or pre-diabetes by 2027, and one Canadian is diagnosed with diabetes every three minutes. And these numbers are not decreasing. This is an epidemic, it's just growing and growing. 1.5 million Canadians, however, have type 2 diabetes and they don't even know about it, okay? So in a nutshell, what is diabetes? It is a disease that occurs when your blood sugar is too high. It happens when your body cannot produce enough insulin or cannot properly use the insulin that it produces. It is a chronic, often debilitating disease. Types of diabetes. So there is type one, type two, pre-diabetes, and then there's gestational diabetes. So we're gonna start off with pre-diabetes. So pre-diabetes is, in my words, it is like a stop sign. So you are at the level where you're gonna have to make that decision that do I wanna change my diet? Do I wanna exercise? And you know, if my stop sign's this way, if I go ahead, I'm gonna be type two, or do I wanna go back and say I never got it, right? So this is where we say that pre-diabetes is your decision-making stage, is that's when you decide what you wanna do, right? So basically, blood glucose levels are higher than normal, but but below the level to be diagnosed. And of course, there is a higher chance of developing type two. Um, unfortunately, there may not be any symptoms, so when you're doing those annual checks, you're always checking for sugar levels, right, at that time. <clears throat> type 1 diabetes, about 10% of people with type diabetes have type 1. People with type 1 must inject insulin multiple times a day, so this is more evident with the youth, right, um, in children and young adults. Unfortunately, these kids are living with it for the rest of their lives. Now, type two, about 90% of people with diabetes have type two. Um, This is when the pancreas does not work as properly, and again, it may be prevented or it can be delayed. 
Gestational diabetes. Gestational diabetes is usually occurs during pregnancy, affects 3.7% of all women, all pregnant women, sorry. Just in, uh, unfortunately cannot be prevented, so once you've had it during your pregnancy, you kind of continue it till you give birth. Um, and also it places women at a high risk of type two. So the stat on, the, on that that they say is when a, when a mom gives birth to a baby that's 10 pound, nine pounds or over, she's at a greater risk of having type two diabetes. So risk factor of type two diabetes. Having a family member with diabetes. So I know in my case, I've had grandparents, so that would be one of the reasons. Um, as I mentioned, the baby's birth weight over nine pounds, having gestational diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, being overweight, socioeconomic status, and of course, environment. Now, if you recall that one stat that I told you earlier, one in three Canadians is diagnosed every three minutes. In some um, ethnic backgrounds, it's one in two. So these could be the Aboriginal, the Hispanic, South Asian, Asian and African. So it's even higher. So some of the signs and symptoms that we'd like you to watch out for um, that you want to visit your doctor is, so with diabetes, you might want to, you need to urinate often, you're feeling very thirsty, rapid changes in weight, feeling very tired, blurred vision, many infections, cuts and bruises are slower to heal, or tingling or loss of feeling in your hands and feet. Now, the one that I want to emphasize, feeling very tired. So as we're aging, we think that feeling very tired is because we're aging. And I hope to God that's the case, but it's always better to check, right? Because that's what we always think, like, oh, I'm aging, I'm tired. No, you want to make sure that you check. So type 1 diabetes, symptoms appear early, as I told you, with children. So they, they know that, you know, children are, like I said, they have type 1, so the symptoms are coming at an earlier stage. And for, with the type 2, often there's no symptoms. Um, or they may be slow to develop. And many people, like I said, 1.5 million Canadians right now, they have it, they don't even know that they have it. That's because they haven't had their blood glucose testing. The impact of diabetes is from head to toe. So 30% of strokes, leading cause of blindness, 40% of heart attacks, 50% of kidney failures requiring dialysis, 70% of all non-traumatic leg and foot amputations. So now that I've scared you a little bit about it, what can we do to make this better? Well, we want to make start off with making a little bit of a change in our lifestyles. We want to start with our food, which is obviously the most important thing. Um, healthy food choices. Um, does everybody here know about the Canada Food Guide that's available online? So Diabetes Canada uh, supports that food guide. And so if you need to know what you need consumption daily, you need to go visit that um, food site, I mean Canada Food Guide. But what we say is a show of hands here. So vegetables, we want to have these many vegetables, as many as we can fill in our hands. Grains and fruits can be about that much. Meat and alternatives, we need that many. Fats and oils, 
My diagram says this, which is absolutely not right. I say it's only, I would say, a teaspoon. If you can go without it, even better, right? And again, um, you know, we were having that conversation, right, just recently, like here when we were talking. Everything has to be moderate. I mean, you can have, it, you can have some cake, but it can't be every night of the week, right? We're not saying that you cannot have anything, but you can't have it every day. You can't just do whatever you want. You can't have all the sugar drinks, or you can't have a beer. You can't do that every single day. You want to have the healthy choices. So... <laughs> <laughs> can't have that um, so the top five healthy um, eating tips we want you to have three meals per day and now when I say these three meals per day they have to you have to ensure that they're not more than six hours apart so if you have your breakfast at eight o'clock six hours you should be having your lunch six hours you should be having your dinner you don't want to go more than that window and what, what even works better, I feel, is do a, a bigger breakfast, a bigger lunch, but then you have a light dinner. But if that doesn't work, I know everybody's schedule is different, so we want to go, you know, a morning breakfast. Um, when I say a breakfast, I mean you could have, like, uh, porridge, oatmeal, something very, you know, nutritious, not just bacon and eggs and everything, all the works every day. Um, and then three hours later, maybe have a fruit, like a snack, a yogurt, maybe a granola bar, right? And then you have your lunch. And then three hours, maybe have something else. And then you have your dinner. So what we're trying to say is we want to make sure that your sugars are leveled. We don't want your sugars, for example, if you eat at 8 o'clock in the morning and then you eat at 5 o'clock in the evening, your sugar is going to spike. And then the other thing you end up doing is you end up eating more than you're supposed to. So you're binge eating, which you don't want that, right? So that's one of the things we recommend. Also, each meal have three of the four key food groups. Again, that's on the Canada Food Guide. Now, I love this one. Eat high fiber foods. Does anybody know why we eat high fiber foods? Yeah. Give me the obvious answer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a, uh, very good. But the high fiber foods will also absorb more sugar. So it's a great way of eating that. If you can eat more, even better. Um, again, it's not a buffet every day. We should stick to portion sizes. We can only, we need to make sure that we're eating enough as much as we need, right? And of course, make lower fat choices. So, once we're done with the eating, if you all have got the PhD now, we're gonna go with exercise. So what we recommend at Diabetes Canada, 20 minutes a day. Everybody has 20 minutes a day, correct? We all watch Netflix for what, 40 minutes, 50 minutes? How much is a Grey's Anatomy? Well, how long is that show? Or, yeah, right? So we all have, we can't say we don't have those 20 minutes. So what we suggest is start off slow, even 20 minute walking. If you don't, can't walk for 20 minutes straight, do 10 minutes. Take a break, do another 10 minutes. But make sure that you do the 20 minute. Resistant exercises are great for exercising many major muscle groups and do not put extra pressure on your joints. So that's another way of exercising. And it's, like I said, start slow. I don't want everybody starting to run around now, right? There's lots of space here, we could do it, but let's not do that. <laughs> so Diabetes Canada, 
our vision, a world free of the effects of diabetes, and our mission, helping those affected by diabetes to live healthy lives, preventing the onset and consequences of diabetes, and discovering a cure. So, does anybody have any questions so far? Yes. Okay, uh, you have your supper at six. Mm -hmm. Should you have a snack before bed? So, that depends on what you've had for supper. Okay. So that's the key, all right? All right, that's, that's the trick there because if you already had a high sugar meal or a high carb meal, you've already exceeded your allotted amount for that meal, it doesn't make sense to have a snack. Okay. But, if, yeah, but if you, people do get hungry, ideally they say there should be a gap between your last food and when you go to bed. You've heard that because a lot of that remains undigested. So if you're going to have to have something and you can't, you know, stretch it, then that's where you have to have something super healthy, whether it's maybe a few nuts or Kalpa mentioned, like a low-fat, low-sugar yogurt, right? You don't want to have uh, ice cream or, you know, things like that. So fruits, fruits are tricky because some fruits are low in sugar, but many, many fruits are very high in sugar, you know, like watermelon, mangoes, cherries. Berries are usually a good option, too. You know, you have a handful of berries. Um, but like Cal also mentioned, it's portions. Like if I take, you know, a fistful, maybe eight or ten berries versus a big bowl, I'm going to exceed my sugar allotment. So if you're going to have a snack, pick some healthy snacks and very small portions, especially right before bed. All right. Another thing I think uh, you should be drinking lots of water as long as you're not a water uh, some people are on a water uh, limit because of kidney issues or blood pressure issues. If you're not on a water-restricted diet, a great way to eliminate sugars and toxins out of your system is constantly be drinking water. You had a question. Yes. Uh, How come that when, you do the, when they do the general blood test, it doesn't show that you're diabetic or not? So, so the way the testing works, there's two tests, okay? So the one, the, the test that you're talking about is a random glucose. So let's say I just brought in a meter and I checked your blood sugars right now. No, no, no I mean, like, I've been tested for years for a different thing to say, and then I had to go for a special diabetic test. Yeah. Test. Did, did, you, to, did you drink a solution? Is that the test you're talking about? No, right? no, no, no. It's just that when, when you go to the doctor, they usually do uh, a general test, and then years later, I got well. I got tested. I got tested when I found out my mom was diagnosed with diabetes. So they sent me for a diabetes blood test. Okay. So why is there such a difference between the two tests? There's two tests. There's a. Well, that's why you're gonna let me finish. But there's a random blood glucose test, which is instant. But then there's an A1C test, which is your three-month average. The three-month average is the one. They'll determine whether you're diabetic or not, all right? All right? Because the three-month average doesn't depend on what you had today or tomorrow or yesterday. It's an average of 90 days of your sugars over that. So if, you're, if your three-month average is over seven, then you're at a point where you're diabetic. Well, you see, because what I'm trying to say is that I was being tested, my blood was being tested every year for, for normally. And then also, when my mom was discovered diabetic, I went for a diabetic test and a diabetic fasting test. 
had discovered I was diabetic then, and they claimed that because of that test, I was diabetic for years. So why wasn't it discovered with the other tests, the other blood tests that I was doing all these years? It's a different test. Yeah, it's two different tests. I don't know. I can't comment on the specifics of your results. I don't have them. But there's only two tests, all right? One is a random, which is instant, and the other one's a three-month average. I don't know how they interpreted your test. I can't. If I had the results, I could comment well, on that. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. The diabetic test compared to what they normally do every year. It's not really a diabetic test. It's an A1C test. It's not a diabetic test because most of the people that take that test aren't diabetic. But the three-month average that I'm talking about, the A1C test, that gives you the maximum amount of information. A random test doesn't always detect diabetes. You may have a good fasting blood sugar and it's fine, but then you could have really high peaks during the day that go undetected because you did a fasting test. So the one test, the fasting test you do maybe once a year or whatnot, didn't pick up on it. But usually after you turn 40, they will do an A1C. If your doctor's on the ball, he'd be doing an A1C every year. And if he didn't, then your doctor just dropped the ball and didn't do it. They should be doing that, all right? I hope that provides some clarity. There's a mouse in the corner over there. Oh, my God. Get some exercise, Oh, my God. Sorry. No, there's a mouse. Yeah, turn Frank loose. It's okay. It's not going to eat you. It's okay. Go ahead. He's more... Oh, he's going away that way. If he comes close to Frankie, Frankie will do it. There's a mouse. Yes. Probably. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, please go ahead. I had to move once to go ahead. Oh. Devin? Yeah, Devin. Yeah, my question is, I have a friend who was diagnosed with... Type 2 diabetes and uh, was um, tried on several medications, right. metformin and that sort of thing. And finally, she got to the point where she is now taking uh, two types of insulin right. a day. Is she type 1 or type 2? She's still type 2. Yeah. All right. She's just not, she can't be controlled with oral agents, so she's put on insulin. But based on her timeline, she's considered type 2. All right, yeah. Oh. I was diagnosed as type 2 because I was a little bit bigger than that, not like 100 pounds out here. Oh, wow. Diet and exercise, and I don't take any medication at all. Very good. I'm on four medications. Wow. Very That's good. Amazing. That's amazing. Well done, Don. That's very rare, right, sir? Because I've been doing this for, I've been a pharmacist for 25 years. I think I've had two or three people in that situation. What I would like them to do is say, you're no longer that type of diabetic. Yeah. My insurance leaving the country yeah. is cheaper. That's the problem. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, once you've had it, you're the standard yes, under 400. Right. Sadly, you're that's right. That's right. Yeah, no, you're right. But good for you, that's very, we don't see that that often. I had another lady that lost about 80 pounds, and she went off all her oral agents, but it doesn't happen that often. No. <laughs> well, so you're done? I'm just going to pass this. Okay, sure. Okay. Has anybody got any other questions? What's the worst fruit you can eat? Watermelon's one of the worst. I don't like Mangoes are up there, too. I just bought mangoes. Oranges depends on the size, because you see oranges, like, you can get mini tangerines, and they, they're actually really good, because they have very... 
they don't have, but as you get to the larger oranges, they obviously care. And orange juice can be terrible for you, like up to 40, 40 grams of sugar. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just bought the little thing. Yeah, if you buy those little, uh, uh, yeah, the, the little, uh, if you want to just get that citrus flavoring, you can get little mini tangerines. They're very tiny, so you get the craving out of the way, but they have very, they don't have a lot of sugar. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was talking to a lady on the weekend, and she was saying that she has trouble because she has to pay so many of her right. diabetes um, medication. Sure. Thank you. Is there no help there? There is help actually. I don't know uh, who she deals with, but I'm gonna I'm gonna pass out before we leave. I'm gonna pass you guys a calendar, which has our store information. So if you want her to, she doesn't have to physically come in. She can call me. There's a thing called the Trillium uh, drug plan. I don't know if anyone. That's what I'm on. Yeah, a lot of people. If you're not 65. I, I say that people are between about 45 and 65 and don't have coverage. They're in what I call no man's land. Yeah. Because they have such a long way to go till they get coverage. But a lot of chronic disease states can occur in that 15 to 20 year window. That's right. And diabetes being a big one. So it's based on your income and uh, your family size. So I can, ex I can kind of uh, go over that with her. That may be of some assistance. And the other thing is if you're diabetic, um, there's also, uh, you can, I don't know how fluent she is, how good she is with computers, but you can go online and there's, uh, through, this, through the Diabetes Canada and the work they do with some of the diabetes uh, in, I think there's one on Rink Street here in Peterborough. There's a form that you can get. You're allowed up to $500 in uh, not oral medications, but like things you need, whether it's strips, lancets, if she's taking insulin, or her pen needles, there would be up to $500 coverage on that that you can apply for. So there are ways to get some help, all right? All right. Okay. Now, there used to be, we used to get a lot of requests for help with the pumps. Right. Pumps are covered now. They give you a monthly credit directly into your account. So I think that's, uh, I'm not going to say it's a non-issue, but it's not the issue that it was maybe 10 or 15 years ago, all right? They've really stepped up to the plate for most people on that. We have a few patients at our store that are on pumps, and um, we used to, they used to get a check, but most of them now just get direct uh, with the, you know, everything's paperless now. They're getting rid of the checks. So most of them, I talk to them, and they get direct debits every month into their account to pay for those uh, supplies. Right, so the pharmacies really don't have anything to do with that like they used to. All right. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much. Oh, oh sorry. Are you I was finished? just gonna, No, I wasn't yet. He was oh, stealing sorry. my limelight. Like fine. I mean, it's like I was just like, oh my god, like, I'm not getting to talk. <laughs> <laughs> Pop him on the head. Pop him on the head. Go. She's gonna <laughs> okay. Uh, so, sorry, I wasn't done. But anyways, so just wanted to let you know um, a little bit of work that Diabetes Canada does with um, kids. Um, we do have a kids camp that's in Huntsville, Ontario. Um, usually, in, not usually. Right now, Ontario has seven thousand children that are type one. And uh, our camps are uh, July to August. Um, it's like any other summer camp. 
the additional piece, or we call it a medical camp actually. What it is is we want kids to come to our camp and learn to manage, to manage their diabetes. So as you know that type one kids, it's a 24 seven round the clock care for parents. And sometimes parents need that break or they also need some understanding on how they can help their children. But what we want to do is have these kids attend these camps. Um, it's a two-week program. The takeaways the kids get from this camp is they get the confidence because they might be the only child in school, so they don't have other kids that they can relate to and they can talk to. So this way, if they have those other kids, it's a confidence that they build up that, you know what, there's other kids out there that, might, that are in a similar position as I am, and so I can live my life with the type 1 diabetes and I can live it to the fullest. So that's one of the takeaways. The other things is um, we have, um, they understand the management, so the parents don't have to be on their back. They know that how they need to administer the insulin, blood glucose testing, what they need to eat, because what we have is we have endocrinologists, pharmacists, nurses, nutritionists, dietitians. They are 24-7 round-the-clock care, making sure that they're having the right information they need. So they carry this, um, unfortunately, type 1 uh, diabetes for the rest of their lives, right? So, and one, some of our kids have been coming year after year because they love it, and they become into leadership programs. So they help other kids. So it's been a very positive impact for kids with type 1. Um, the only thing that Diabetes Canada, like we will never say no to any child that comes to the camp. Um, we've got great support from service clubs like yourself, Lions. We've got other service clubs that helps us. We've got corporations that help us. And so we make sure that these kids get the help because we'll never say no to any child that comes to this camp. Now, we do have an online registration form. So how it works is the parents fill it out, but sometimes um, they can't afford to send their kids to camp. So this is where my role comes in, where I go to service clubs and I request service clubs to help us. Maybe we can do a fundraising event, or maybe we can do it through a donation, anything that can help these kids. Um, so usually how it works is for camp, it's $4,300 for two weeks. And the subsidy is anywhere between $1,300 to $1,500. Um, so when I say $4,300, Maybe a family can only pay 500. So the difference is where I bring in, you know, the money through an event or any fundraising or again, alliance or anybody. So that's what we're always hoping that we get the help because that's where we need the most help. We've got the research side of diabetes, but our most help is needed with the kids. And so that's where we urge you to say, hey, you know, how can you help us? How can Lions support us? So in the past with the Lions, we've done fundraising, we've done barbecues, we've done fillet truck, we've done tons of events. Um, Fowler's Corners that I just passed, it, you know that, that Lions Club. Uh, what was the gentleman's name? The Fowler's Corner, he's the president. I, sorry? Larry, Larry, uh, he did the diabetes cruise for us last, this year and they raised uh, $6,000, so they were able to send six kids. And these are local kids in Peterborough that need the help. So it's not just, um, I'm talking all over, but Ontario itself has 7,000 that need the help, right? So we're, that's where we urge you to say, how can you help us if there's anything we can do? Uh, one of the things you want to talk about is we're running, so just to let you know, November is our diabetes month. Is everybody aware of that, right? 
So, so what we've done at our pharmacies, uh, we have four pharmacies. He likes um, to talk. <laughs> Diabetes Canada sent us these blue circles. And what it is, is uh, we've created a tree at our locations. And um, it says, I am helping to end diabetes. And then you put your name in here. And it's a $2 donation that we request from our patients. And we just leave them on the counter with a poster. And if they fill their name in, they donate $2. We put it up on our tree. And that $2 is the monies that Kalpa was saying is going to contribute toward helping sending our local kids to these camps. So we're doing this at our pharmacies as we speak. Um, we're also raffling off uh, multiple gift baskets and all the monies that we collect from those initiatives will also go to Diabetes Canada to get the kids to camp. So this is called the Blue Circle Campaign and it runs um, through the month of November. And if there's any support that your club can provide to us, Kalpa and I can leave these here. And if you are able to raise any funds for Diabetes Canada, Kalpa or myself, one of us can arrange to pick up any funds that you may collect as well. So yeah. if you could help us in that initiative, that would be wonderful. Can I get you to tell us which pharmacies? Yeah, I'll tell you the, so the, from here, because I, I understand this always a logistic thing, um, our closest one is probably the one in Ennismore. All right, which I drove down from there today. It's about nine or 10 minutes with no traffic. So it's not too far, but you don't have to physically come in there. If you collect the monies or whatever, I can even come one day on my way back and we can arrange something. So I don't, you don't have to physically come there. I know it's hard for people to drive out of their way when you live in a certain part of town. So if, if it comes to that, you can call Kalpa or myself. I'm going to give you folks all a calendar as well. So my number will be on there if you need to get a hold of us. All right, but that's just an initiative that we're doing locally at our four stores to get as many kids as possible from our greater Peterborough area to these camps. Yes. Can I get you to tell us the other three? Yeah. So I, the reason yeah. I ask is that this is being recorded and it's sure. run on Friday. Absolutely. So you can go to the Buckhorn Pharmacy. You can go to the Ennismore Pharmacy. You can go to the Keene Drug Mart. We have one in Port Perry, which is obviously a little further. And we have a partner in one of our stores who has his own store at Sherbrooke Heights. He's also running the Blue Circle campaign. So you can go to that location as well. So there's actually five locations. All right. And if someone can't make it out, we'll try to get to them to collect any funds that may be raised as well. So we'll try to make it really easy for everyone. All right. And we do appreciate and value your support. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. The camp you're talking about, is that Camp Huronda? Camp Huronda, yes. Do Lions not support that automatically well, each Lions Club is separate, right? Like it's, uh, I mean, Lions support us, but we still go out to all the Lions Club and ask for their support individually. So, yeah. Lion, Lion Teresa can answer that question probably better. I was going to say, I think we've already made a donation to Camp Huronda this year. I think so. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but I also know that Lions have a camp on the Kingston border in four for children with diabetes that was uh, closed down this year in the spring for renovations, if I understand it. Um, hmm. uh, Interesting. Yeah, that, yeah, that was what, I think Larry mentioned that, but I, I'm not sure how that, that camp works and is with diabetes. So it's, I know it's a different it's camp. A it has nothing to do with diabetes. Camp and they have yeah. Come in, yeah. But it's a lion, it's for, strictly for okay. diabetes. Okay. But we, yeah, I, I, 
I'm not okay. saying there's a mouse. Okay, thank you. Hi, uh, Devin, last question. Okay, for the benefit of our radio audience and me too, Kalpa, can you tell us that you're talking about how much vegetables you should have, how much, can you give us a, um, a word uh, description? Well, it's, so, I mean, uh, it's easier to go on the Canada Food Guide. That will give you the description that you're looking for, right? I don't really have um, anything in a word description, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, but in a show of hands, it's literally your two hands. That's how much you need vegetables okay. per day. But five, five vegetables a day, five fruits a day, those are the uh, guidelines that we want to follow. And the other thing, the great thing about vegetables is most vegetables are so wonderful for everyone and diabetics. It's because they're usually low calorie, most of them. They're, some of them have zero sugar, not even low sugar. Some of them have zero sugar, and they're high in fiber. So they hit on a lot of the, so to put them in other foods is a great way to fill you up uh, while having a great positive impact on your overall health. And so vegetables for diabetics are your friend, all right?